Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hey all, I'm Chris Gibbons. I'll be reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 today. You are a light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Chris, thank you for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. I know the band has already left uh, the stage, but I'll just echo what Becky said. We have really not only talented musicians, but they are dedicated and, and very much appreciate all of them. We will miss Matt. He has been here, like he said, eight years, and um, uh, he's, he's been a great uh, team member with us all along the way, and so we will definitely miss him and appreciate it. We'll welcome a new drummer uh, next week. Celebrate success. We love celebrations. We love celebrations. Now, we learn it early, right? I mean, among our first memories is when we start to have as a child to have a birthday. What do you want to do for your birthday? Right? Of course, even before that, there have been parties for your birthday. There have been things, there's been people come over, there's been gifts, there's been decorations, there's been cake, there's been all those things. Some people remember birthday parties when they were children, back in the era where pretty much it was having friends over, there was birthday cake, and you played pin the tail on the donkey. That's pretty much it. Of course, it gets ramped up a little bit as time goes, right? A little bit different. I mean, then you start, well, maybe we're going to have a bounce house. Maybe we'll hire a clown to come over and do tricks. Maybe we'll rent out a venue and have this, this you know, blowout party for a three-year-old. Then you, when that happens, you know who the party's really for, right? <laughs> for the parents and the friends. Because we love to celebrate. We love celebration. Whether it's weddings, 4th of July, Christmas, after game victory parties, New Year's Eve, we love celebrations. Now, that's not a, that's not a totally new thing, certainly, in human history. Uh, humans have always found reasons to celebrate, whether it was the uh, even in prehistoric times, if it was uh, if it was a su- successful hunt, if it was a harvest that was better than expected, if it was a military victory, it was there was a cause for celebration. We've always loved to celebrate. There are certainly celebrations in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, there are some specific celebrations that are prescribed for God's people. I'm just going to mention just a few. So, like the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That, that is to celebrate, commemorate the, the symbol of separation of dependence on Egypt for their bread and their food. The Feast of First Fruits, that as you begin the harvest, understanding that the first part of the harvest, the first fruits, go as an offering to God out of gratitude. The Feast of Weeks is about the wheat harvest specifically. So in the midst of the wheat harvest, you have a great celebration there. And in the Feast of Tabernacles, that is the feast of remembering God's, uh, God's care, God's protection, God's provision when you were in the wilderness after escaping slavery in Egypt. 
Each of those has prescribed rituals that you do these things to indicate your gratitude and your joy for these good outcomes that happened. Celebrations in the Old Testament. Celebrations don't really get mentioned that much in the New Testament uh, in terms of a specific celebration that's called for or something. I mean, the celebration of Passover is mentioned. There's the, there's the occasion, though. There are occasions where there were celebrations happening. You know, the first miracle that uh, is listed in the Bible, uh, and if you look at it in a chronological way, the first miracle that Jesus performed is in the Gospel of John. Now, John's the only one who mentions this, but it's the miracle where he and his mother were at a wedding party. There was a wedding banquet, and the owner embarrassingly ran out of wine, right? And so that's when Jesus turned water into wine for the celebration to continue. We love celebration. We also like success. We really admire success. That can be defined in in some different ways. Humans have done this also for a long time. We admire success in other people, whether it was um, uh, whether it was um, military victors, or masterful politicians, or money-making business. Certainly, in in the modern era, athletes. We really admire success in other people. But today, I mean, one of the things that we unfortunately make a mistake sometimes when we think of success, what we are imagining is image. We're mad. It's image. You know, like those people who are famous because they're famous. What have they done? They're famous. You might know the story, the new story, and then and then the uh, based on the true story series that was done on one of the streaming uh, platforms. And uh, in, in the streaming, the series was called "Inventing Anna." It's the story of Anna Sorokin, who was uh, born in a Russian family but in Germany. And somewhere along the way, in her early 20s, she decides to go to America, and she becomes Anna Delvey. And she begins telling everybody that, that she is a German heiress, and they are fabulously rich, and she's going to start a foundation, and she's going to do all these things. And she begins wearing the most expensive clothes, staying in the most expensive hotels, buying the most expensive meals, and somehow she doesn't ever pay for any of it. Oh, oh, the money's coming. The money's being wired. Don't worry. It's, it's coming. And she would then change hotels before they could do anything. So I can't remember if she's still in prison now. Uh, she was, yeah, she was caught and charged and convicted of larceny and theft of services and all kinds of things. Uh, if she's not in prison, they were, upon release, she was supposed to be deported back to Germany. And, and, you, and you wonder, how was she successful? Well, it, the way it's depicted in the series, now I know they take liberties when they make these things, but the way it was depicted in the series was when, when somebody said, well, we don't know that much about her. And the response is, she's all over the internet. She's all over the internet. Look, here's, here's a, a post where she's with so-and-so. She's at this big event. She's, and they're like, wow, she must be successful. They were all duped. It was just image. It was not success. About 20 years ago, uh, Jim Collins published his book, Good to Great. Some, some of us read that book back in the day. So some of the, some of the things that uh, uh, are a, bit, a little bit dated now is 20 years ago, but, but I think one of the things is probably still true, and that is he, talked, he looked at these companies in America that, had, that were good companies, but they really crossed the line to become great. 
in a sustainable way. Not, not a flash, but they're going to be great for a long time. And in his study, he realized that, that the common link was uh, the leadership, the leadership at the top. So he studied the CEOs of these companies. And one of the interesting things is these CEOs were not the kind that wanted the spotlight. They didn't want to be in the news. They could walk past you on the street, and you'd have no idea they were CEO of one of the largest, most profitable companies in the United States. That's not what they did. He said some of them were actually kind of shy. You know, just like CEOs today, right? Yeah, they're all very shy and don't want to get on social media. So one of the things that was common among them also is when he would ask them about their story. How did they get to be where they are? They would tell about other people, how other people had helped them. So-and-so gave me my start. So-and-so gave me a scholarship. Someone hired me. Someone gave me a second chance. And they would name these people that helped them be where they are. That's very different than the notion of success by image. Now, in this series, we're looking, we're looking back, right? This is reimagining our past, looking backward into our past to see things that happened. Some of the difficult things, we've talked about those the last couple of weeks. What are some of those difficult things to, to look at those and, and to see them and, and to reimagine, not the event itself, but reimagine how God might have been working in our lives because of it? What else might have been happening? How has God transformed the situation, me, so that I'm not just reacting to the old pain in the same way. Well, today we're going to talk about looking back and looking at the good things, the blessings in your life, the great things that have happened, and the ways you've been a blessing for others. To look and identify those good things and not to back away from them, but to say, yeah, that was really good. And I feel really good about how I handled that. And I felt great about that person being an influence in my life. We've got to recognize those things as well. Now, I know sometimes Christians kind of downplay this, this, this notion of looking back and seeing what's been good in my life because they, they feel like they're going to puff themselves up. Like this is, uh, you know, oh, I'm, no, 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 oh, there's nothing special about me. Well, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. The fact is God has blessed every single one of us with gifts and abilities to be the people God intends us to be, to be able to reflect the goodness and glory of God in our life. And my guess is, when you look back in your life, there are people too, just like those CEOs. There are people that you look back and you think of so-and-so that really encouraged you in a difficult time, and so-and-so taught you an important thing about the Bible, and so-and-so helped introduce you to, to the idea of following the teaching of Jesus. You can think of those people too. And, and, and I always like to imagine there, we all have, in our, in our minds, we all have a wall of saints, People in our lives, so imagine a wall in your home and it's, and it's these um, you know, framed photographs and they're, they're, they're photographs of people in your life that were really impactful. They were influencers in your life, what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to follow Christ. My guess is we all have those. We have those people in mind. Who's on your wall of saints? Who were those people that were especially impactful to you? It might, it, it might have been uh, nothing that was all that significant in the moment, but it made a difference. Well, those influencers in yours and my life, 
and us. We know that the success in the Christian life, if you can use that word, it's not just about image. It's not just about talking. It's about doing our faith. It's about the demonstration of our faith. You know, it's, uh, we've been hearing, reading these stories in recent months, about the last year, of the great resignation, right? A lot of people changing jobs, and so they're having, of course, brushing up their resumes and all that kind of business, and their CVs. Um, generally on those, there's a place where you say, here are my skills. These are my skills. Well, a long time ago, when I was a much younger pastor, and, and I, we were hiring somebody into a staff position in the church, I had some resumes, and I was new to trying to read resumes and discern who were really good candidates. And so I was talking to a good friend uh, who had been in management for years in his life, and, and saying, they, they just all start to blend together at some point. I don't know what to do here. So he said, well, you know what you need in, the, in that stuff person, right? You know what, position, what you need, so look for those skills on those resumes and, and just set up some phone calls. Call them and say, hey, I see you have a skill of whatever on your resume. And, and say, that's awesome. Tell me a time that you demonstrated that skill. Because he said, they, anybody can make a list. Maybe they took a course in college on conflict resolution, and so they say, I, I have skills in conflict resolution. Tell me about a time that you did that. Because if they can't really say they demonstrated it, it may not be a skill. Wise words. What are the demonstrable things about what a person says of who they are? It's kind of the same for us Christians. God intends for more for us than just having a name, a title of Christian. God intends more for us. God intends us to reflect God's goodness and glory in the way that we live our life, that we do faith in a way that honors God and serves people. Because the Bible teaches we can do this because the Bible teaches that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We are a new creation. And, and when I think of that, I think of it's not that it's a, just a you know, snap your fingers, it's a done deal. It's a process that you have embarked on, a, on, a, on an adventure of transformation. Because none of us are perfect yet. But we're on that path. God is making us a new creation along the way. So that more and more we can learn and grow in ways that are important for us. So to put it in a, in a little bit different way... They, fits with our scripture today. When you are in Christ, you have the light of Christ in you. You have the light in you. The the light, we talk about at Christmas, we talk about uh, Epiphany, we talk about different times of the year, these themes throughout the Christian year. You have the light of Christ in you. In fact, Jesus said, you are the light. You are the light in the world. Because that's who you are. So success for us Christians is not about something that makes me noteworthy. Success, again, using this word in a generic kind of way, is doing what Jesus says here. Jesus says in the Scripture, let your light shine before people, in front of people, so that they may see your good thing, the good things you do, and praise your Father who is in heaven. Let your light 
shine in front of other people so that they can see the good things you do. I'm sure you're aware that, they, that uh, they've done all kinds of studies on things, uh, you know, the soft kinds of things like happiness, uh, generosity, those kinds of things. And, and, and in the study, I'm sure you know this, that, that when they found that when a person does a good deed, well, we, we all kind of feel good about that. It's kind of like, you know, it's not a giant thing, but it's kind of like, man, it just feels good to do something good. You've had that feeling when you've served with Bed Start, when you've helped with Malvern Food Distribution, when you, well, whatever, it, it just feels good. Yeah, that's because your body releases uh, serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. Those are feel-good hormones that begin to course through your body. It just, and you're, you, we've had that experience. Man, it just feels good. So they've identified what it is that makes you have that feeling, but they've also noticed in the study that if someone observes you doing that good deed, they also have the good feeling. They also have the serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin in their blood because they've seen you do it. They saw it demonstrated, and they're like, wow, that was really cool. could be something really simple. It gives them the good feeling, and studies show that they are more likely to do a good deed because they saw you do it. Like Jesus said, let, let your light shine before people so that they may see the good things you do. Because that's who you are. I've said before in messages, some, a lot of you know this, a lot of, a lot of you don't. I grew up in the area around Lubbock. And if you've ever been up in that part of the world, you know that the landscape and the wildlife are pretty flat. I'll just say flat. So a lot of things that Lubbock area doesn't really have that other parts of the world do. So I loved the fact that we had relatives, extended family, that lived in different parts of the country. And that was usually our vacation. It was to go see these relatives in these different places. It was awesome. And I remember I was about seven, the first trip I remember going to see my cousins in Tennessee. They lived in the Nashville area. And just loved going. My aunt was a wonderful, wonderful person, and my uncle was funny a um, bit of a curmudgeon, but funny, loved being around him. And my cousins, even though they were older than me, they were very, very kind to me. And they didn't just say, oh, you young guy, get away from me. I mean, they really did stuff with me. It was awesome. And so I remember one night we were outside uh, playing, and, and the sun had set, and, you know, darkness is kind of falling. And while we're outside, and I went, I just saw a light over there. And they were like, what? I said, what? It's gone now. Oh, there's a light. Oh, no, it's gone. Well, there's another light. And they kind of looked around. Then they went, oh, it's fireflies, lightning bugs. And I was like, I was like, wait, they're what? And they said, they're lightning bugs. And I said, they're bugs that light up? I mean, my seven-year-old brain was blown. Never seen anything like that. Couldn't imagine something like that. So, of course, one of them, you do what you do. He ran inside, and he gets the clear jar with the lid and pokes a bunch of holes in it real fast. It runs outside, and you capture some of the fireflies in the jar. Some of you have done that, probably. And you do that, and it's just, it, I was just amazed. See, these bugs light up. Because that's what they are. That's just what they are. You have the light 
of Christ. You are the light of Christ. We're invited to light up and let people see it. You saw the light in those people that's on your wall of saints. It might not have even been anything spectacular that they did. It might not have been earth-shattering. It might not have, but, but you just remember how they were kind in a situation where others would have been angry. You remember the time that they put their arm around you and encouraged you in a difficult time. You remember that, that light that you experienced with them. Well, since you have the light of Christ, you are the light of the world. You are on somebody's wall of saints. There's somebody somewhere, maybe even in this room, that when I say, hey, think about the wall of saints, they think of you. Because they remember the time. And you're on that wall of saints. Now, there's probably those people that you could think of, well, yeah, I had something to do with their faith. I mean, I helped with that youth trip, and I helped with VBC, right? But my guess is there's people you have no idea the impact you've had in their life. I know that's certainly been true for me. People will say, man, that really meant a lot when you... I was like, what? I don't even remember that. You're on somebody's wall of saints. So let me go back to that, those, that Old Testament celebration for just a minute. Just a reminder, when we start to celebrate what it means to live this life, that the, remember those celebrations that were prescribed by God was about celebrating God's goodness. We sang about that earlier. Celebrating what God does, how God provides. Worshiping God is the celebration. Understanding God is the source of all goodness. And then we gather. We gather for worship, for a celebration. Every Sunday, we gather for this celebration, this joyful celebration, where in here it's easy for our lights to shine bright. And we enjoy it. We're in this jar together for the moment. I'm going, to, I'm going to invite the musicians to go ahead and come up to the, to the stage while I tell a last story. So if y'all can go ahead and come on up um, to get ready to sing our last song. So several years ago, I went to a wedding. It was a, it was a family wedding. And uh, so it was one of those, we were going to get there early and be there late. You know, it was going to be many hours, but it was a, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, there was, there was, of course, there was, of course, the wedding, and then there was the pictures. You know how that goes. And then, and then there was a sit-down meal, and then there was dancing. So uh, it, was, it, was long, it was a long day. It was great. It was great. It was beautiful. It was fun, all those things. And uh, after everything kind of died down, Mary and I go on a walk, walking the grounds of this really beautiful um, uh, place. And so then we wander back into the building where the dance floor was, and pretty much everybody had gone. It was, it was, everybody was pretty gone, except out on the dance floor... There were about 20 to 25 young adults, including the bride and the groom, who were just dancing and singing. I mean, the music was blasting, and they were just, and they weren't like dancing paired off. I mean, they were just dancing. And just, I was like, this, I mean, it was just this exuberant celebration. 
It was the kind of thing that you could look at and think, well, that's, this is not just about the fact that those two got married. This is more than that. And, he, and, and I, I don't know what that is. So after, later I had a chance to catch the bride and say, tell me about that. You were all singing at the top of your lungs. You were dancing. Clearly, this was something more than just having some fun. She said, yeah, uh, most, of these, most of this group have grown up together. They grew up going to church. They grew up going to Sunday school and vacation Bible school and youth group and confirmation and mission trip and choir trip. And they have stayed good friends all these years. And on one of those trips, there was this song that was popular in the day. And they all just started singing it. And they decided that was their theme song. That was their song. And so uh, they had told the DJ, bride and groom told the DJ, the last dance is that song. They were the only ones left anyway. And they're out there in the middle of this floor just singing and dancing in, with complete joy. And I thought, man, that should be what church is like. That should be what church is like. That we just, we get together because, well, we have songs. We have songs we sing. We sing Amazing Grace. We sing How Great Thou Art. We sing Standing in Your Love. We sing House of God. We, we sing these things because it's who we are. It's who we are. And we come together to celebrate in this place knowing that in a little bit the lid will be lifted. We're going to go back out into the world to shine our light. We can sing those songs now. We can be those people with this exuberant celebration because God has been good to us and we can be the light of the world so that people can see our good works. And give praise to our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.